What's up, guys? Have you heard of Podcoin, the new podcast app that pays you to listen to your favourite podcast? Well, we're on there, along with thousands of other podcasts. Earn coins for listening to your favourite podcast and save those coins to buy gift cards or vouchers to go and get yourself a nice cup of coffee. Or if you're feeling generous, you can donate those coins to charity. Or if you'd rather use that coin and save it to then go and buy yourself a big gift such as, I don't know, maybe some Bose headphones, then you can do that too. That's Podcoin, available on all your major app stores, P-O-D-C-O-I-N. And you can find us there every day of the week. Welcome back to another Celtics Pulse podcast. Today I'm joined by Tim. How you doing, Tim? Doing all right, man. Hanging in. Yeah, last night was rough, man. I was so pissed off during the game. Absolutely frustrating, man. Especially now at this point where it's three straight losses, two straight at home. It just this is it, man. This is do or die time, and it's it's hard. You're staring you're staring death in the face at this point. See, now, I put this out before this last game, saying the Celtics play better when their back's up against the wall. But the, the team this year haven't had to face adversity. It's been quite... It's been a tumultuous season, but there's been no major adversity. I'm not very confident moving into the game in Milwaukee. No, I mean, there's no reason to be. Um, I was looking at the numbers, and, you know, I actually ended up getting a lot of flack today for a tweet I put out talking about the way that Kyrie kind of handled that post-game interview conference where he was talking to media and, you know, when asked about his number of shots and his misses, he says, who cares? And the reason why that bothered me is just because, you know, you expect more from him um, in terms of the way he handles the media. And it, it kind of seems to be like this cookie cutter method of just creating drama. And I don't know, maybe that's Maybe that's he's using it to psych himself up. I, I don't know. Maybe the, the naysayers are going to fuel him in this. But since game one, he's been pretty terrible. And that goes for the rest of the team, too. I don't think I don't think Irving is like the sole issue with this team. I think he's a symptom of it. Um, just with the fact that you've got now the bench has just been horrid. The most points they put up was in a game two blowout. They had 40 points like you get smoked in game two. And that's when your bench shows up. They've had 16 points and seven points in the last two games at home. And what, like, what are you expecting out of Rozier and Hayward? They're two of your most experienced players, Hayward especially. Um, Rozier has experience in Boston, and granted, his role has changed, and he hasn't had a great season this year. But, I mean, come on. They haven't put up more than 10 points since game one. It's like none of the Celtics have shown up in game one. It's like they blew the doors off the Bucks in game one, and ever since then, they've kind of just been like, huh. And the crazy thing now is that terribly officiated game, at least from my Celtics bias perspective, that terribly officiated game where we saw uh, Yanis get 22 free throws, a career high. That was a winnable game. In hindsight, that was seven points. So a seven-point deficit. And now you're looking at it. You're down 3-1 in the series. You have to win not only two on the road, but three in a row. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do an it. impossible ask. It's a really tall order from a team that hasn't been able to get it done at home. 
with the fans behind them. And they had a friendly whistle. How do you not? I'm just frustrated with the bench, man. Seven points? Are you fucking kidding me? Bro, Hayward last night, bro. Look, I stayed up for that game. That's what pissed me off the most. Like, I'm going to be doing that a lot moving forward as well. But I counted at least five different plays where Hayward was able to take a shot and passed it up. And he passed it to probably a worse shot. So he, there was one where he was literally at the free throw line and all he had to do was drop his shoulder and drive. And worst case scenario, he's drawing a foul at that point. But no, he dishes it out to the corner and then it's just, you know, there's five seconds left in the shot clock. Boom, we're jacking up a three. Why are you doing that? Haywood is our guy to go and draw those fouls. He's probably the most reliable one at doing so. Well, here's the problem too, is now he's starting to see ghosts. I think that's what's happening with him is, you know, he has been this player for so long. He goes and has that injury and now he's back in the postseason going up. I think in terms of the teams that are left in the playoffs, the Bucks are by far the most physical team left in the playoffs. Yanis is a threat, a physical specimen. To go against him in the paint is terrifying. And like a lot of Milwaukee's team is huge. They don't have like, I think like eight of the 15 players in the roster are over like six foot six or six foot seven. So like they're absurdly tall. So going against that as a guy who's coming back from an injury, I can see why he's hesitating, but you can't. Like if you're going to be taking these looks, you can't. And if you, if you can't drive to the hoop and try and create a better shot, or if you keep on deferring to a worse shot instead of trying to create contact and get a foul, man, just just sub in semi. Just give Ojale Hayward's minutes right now. I just we need to do something to change what's going on right now. The bench is stagnant, and a big part of that is Terry not showing the fuck up. And then you've got Hayward who's just too scared to assert himself. He's not being aggressive enough. He's not confident enough, and it shows. The bench is bleeding. They're bleeding points right now, and they're giving us nothing. And that's affecting the starting lineup, too, because now you've got Kyrie, who's forced to come into the game and play an absurd amount of minutes. He played 43 minutes last night, and he was terrible. He hasn't had a positive plus-minus since game one. Overall, he's a negative 12 for the series. He's there's times with Kyrie as well, though, where there's inexcusable plays, especially for a guy as, like, as polished as he is. First quarter... He gets the ball on the baseline, drives underneath the basket. He's got an open guy on the corner three, and then he's got Horford coming, like, shading into the free throw line. What does he do? Drives under, jump up, turn around, fade away. Why are you making that decision? There was 14 seconds left on the shot clock. And it's brutal. Stuff like that is just coming to bite him back in the ass. And and it's the same thing that happens over and over again. They give up, you know, a, a situation like you just stated. And then all of a sudden, the Bucks get the ball in transition. And because of their length, because of their speed, you've got either a guy like Yanis coming out or you've got Miritich getting open in the corner for a three. You're getting buried. You're getting buried. These massive swings where you're just having these stupid possessions where you have a shot or it's, okay, let's drive to the rim and try and create a foul. You know, what? a fun fact for games uh, one and two, Kyrie had zero free throws. Zero for the first two games. None. He's shooting ninety percent of the that, line, dude. That's He's your guy. guy. He's meant to be He's going to get those fucking free throws. Look, what's pissing me off the most at the moment is it feels like the defense that they play is predicated on if they've scored in the last possession or not. I don't that's know if bad. you feel the same way. 
No, I feel it. I feel it because they, it happens every single time. They take a bad shot. All of a sudden, you know, oh, it's a three that clangs out. Okay. And then they slack back on defense. Their transition defense has been terrible this year. They don't get back at all. And that's really the problem. This Celtics team has never been a fantastic offensive team. They're a good offensive team when their defense is set, when they're playing hard defense, just premeditated, thought out, and they're making smart passes, getting good shots, getting good looks. What's statistically the best shot for me to take in this spot? Okay, kick it over to this guy, cut, get a foul, go to the line, anything, any kind of well-thought-out offense. I feel like as soon as the pressure gets crazy, you can just see an overall change in this team. It happened last night. The whole game, they were neck and neck. It was a really tight game for the most part. The third quarter, it's a tie game. Eight minutes left in the third. Yanis goes down to the bench with four fouls. That's the moment. That's the moment right there where you need your bench to give you something, anything, especially with Kyrie struggling. The problem is, is the bench gives you nothing right now. They've been doing terrible. They've been getting exposed. The like. The lineup for the bench players for the Bucks had like a plus 12 in the third. It was absurd. You're, if you're going into that situation and you can't give anything, you have Kyrie Irving coming off the bench, going back into your starting lineup, and he's just not the same player he is that he was in game one. Like He's facing harder defense. The Bucks, I will give them credit for it. They had been clamping him down after game one. He went off. He had a playoff career high for assists with 11. He had 10 last night, but it wasn't enough to get the win because the bench is just so horrid. And Kyrie's forcing the shot up too. As you said, he's making really, really smart decisions at times. And because of that, you know, you're in this spot that you're in now. And I just, all of it would have been avoidable. All of it could have been avoidable. All you had to do was at least win one of your home games. Best case situation is that they somehow could have come back in game three, taken that series. Okay, now it's 2-2. It's a best of three series. You have to win one road game. Now I mean, it's like, isn't this sorry? Isn't this yeah. the only series left in the playoffs now where it isn't tied up at two two? We're a mm-hmm. team that at the start of the year we were saying we've got one of the deepest benches. We're going to make a run. Who's going to keep up with us? Then we've had all the excuses of Hayward coming back from injury. Now Rosier's role changing. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. Hayward's had a full season now. There's going to be a point, and if it isn't now, then it's definitely after summer training camp, that if he doesn't start to show flashy, well, he needs to be Gordon from Utah. Otherwise, it's an unmitigated disaster, and there's a chance that he's going to get traded, dude. It's starting to look more and more like that. I just, one thing that I say when it comes to these trade situations where it's like, oh, you know, sign and trade for KD, trade over Hayward, or some crazy bullshit like that. You have to find someone who, one, wants his contract, and two, you have to think about the repercussions from the front office standpoint for the Celtics. You can't go ahead and just trade away a max guy like that you just signed. You convinced him to uproot his entire life and come to Boston. You think that he's just going to be so super stoked that you go ahead and trade him away? Granted, if you trade into a situation like Golden State, sure. I'm, I'm sure I'll be happy as a fucking clam in San Fran. Or Oakland, <laughs> you know, like I would be too. You know, like you're going to a great situation, but that's not necessarily the case with this. You don't. Well, the know one that. trade I saw that was um, mooted a few weeks back was Caleb in a trade for Hayward. Obviously, there'd be other fillers. Personally, from a Celtic standpoint, I'm not down for that anyway. No, I feel like that's just <laughs> not to be at this point. I'm not saying that they're like the same player, but. It's a very much a lateral move. Kevin Love, like while I liked him a long time ago, uh, 
he's injury prone. He's one of those guys that, you know, he hasn't been the same since he left Minnesota. And not to jinx it now and not to make this statement, but maybe that's why I have my Hayward. Maybe Hayward used to be the man like Kevin Love was in Minnesota. And then you put him in a different situation. It'll have some games where he goes off. But then the other times he's underwhelming. Maybe he needed that situation where he was the go-to guy in order to do that. And now with Kyrie in Boston, it, it's not the same. I was and literally about that? to say the same thing. Having I, him as I, the number yeah. two or number three option, bro, maybe he's just, that's why he's deferring. He feels like he shouldn't be taking no shots. He needs to assert himself because right now we need someone to. You know, you've, you've got smart back and granted he had a terrible game back, but He's coming back from a big injury. He's trying to make a difference. Chucked up seven three-pointers. God knows why, just because it's Marcus Smart. But if you can have Marcus Smart reestablish your bench unit, get that defense going, you have to make a change with your starting lineup. Uh, I, I think you maybe you move Tatum or Morris to the bench um, to give some kind of firepower off there. I think it would be better to keep Morris in the starting lineup just because I think other than you know Kyrie being there, it's... I feel like Morris, the ball would just stick in his hands. I think if you put Tatum with the bench with Smart, um, maybe you start Shemi, Ojale, you start Baines to try and add some defense, to try and give, you know, Yanis something to go against. Just punch him in the teeth right away. Just, just get after them defensively. Just go mad dog on them. You have to play defense against this team because right now, that's the only way you're going to win this series. You have to play defense. And that's what they've been struggling with. Defense can create offense, but offense doesn't create defense. You can't you can't be getting yourself into this hole scoring wise and then be expected to try and shoot the lights out with Kyrie because right now he's getting clamped. And the only way to solve that problem is to actually keep yourselves in the game by playing hard, tough defense. Get Yanis into foul trouble, draw a couple charges, get some boards, get some blocks, do anything. Just do anything with effort for once. The series hasn't looked the same since game one. I was stoked after game one. And now I'm just I'm just frustrated and I'm tired. It's just it feels like this non just not never ending continuous stream of shit. It's just not figuring itself out. We've just been forced to watch this team over and over, think they're turning that corner and then not turning that corner. You know, they had a tough series against Indy. They won four straight against one of the best defensive teams in the league. And now they're just pissing down the leg. Problem is as well, dude, you say get Giannis into foul trouble. We did. And Middleton, they both sat, bro. Both of them sat down at the same time and then we get blown out. That's when it turned, dude. When them two went to the bench. That's when we fucked up. Because our fucking offense just goes to shit. And Kyrie's getting clamped. Kyrie's the guy that not a couple of months ago made a statement saying, I can get wherever I want on the floor. I can score whenever I choose to score. Well, no, you fucking can't because you would have fucking done it yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is now, he's just forcing it. And like, I don't, this is the thing, I'm going back to that post today. I don't think Kyrie Irving is the problem, but right now, he's certainly not the fucking solution. If you're not playing smart basketball, and you're chucking up bad looks, guess what? That translates to problems. The first game, game one, he had only one personal foul. Ever since then, I don't think he's had any less than three or four. Most games, he's had four. I think two of the four games, he had four or five fouls. I counted five plays. Sorry, go on. No, continue. I counted five plays again yesterday because I went back and watched a film about an hour ago just so I could pick up on things that I'd missed. Yeah, it was tough. And there's at least five plays where Kyrie 
puts up a tiny bit of resistance. Soon as he feels some contact off his shoulder, I mean, one of them was Giannis, so okay, I'll give you that one, bro. But he kind of like lets them drive past him. And his facial expression to me, I mean, I'm just trying to put words in his mouth right now, but it's kind of like, fuck it, I'll get those points back. I don't, you know, that's the sort of mentality he's got. When he's saying, you know, I'm not worried, so what? Who cares? Well, we care, bro. You're meant to be our leader. You're meant to be the franchise player. I get what you're saying. I'm a shooter. Who cares? I miss some shots. Who cares? But it's more along the lines of, bro, now we're 3-1 down. Now you've got to go back to the Bucks house on an elimination game and play probably the best game of your career or at least the best game since you won the championship with LeBron because that's the type of Kyrie we're going to need in the next game. And we probably still don't have enough, man. Hey, I've just got no faith in Hayward at the moment. Rogier is a, a disaster. He's cost himself he's, millions, he's, bro. He's He's been a disaster this whole season. I mean, we've had a couple of good flashes of games and stuff, but like, I feel like right now, game five is, is like the, it's the Chicago Bulls game where like Gerald Green started. Like, we have to see like some drastic, like, you know what? Fuck it. Here's the kitchen sink. Like, just, Here's the random shit we're just going to throw at you because at this point now, there has to be some drastic, like, otherworldly change coming. And I don't really know if I have faith that that's going to happen. You know, uh, a big thing that happened in the third quarter last night is, you know, the Bucks got a bucket, okay? And then the Bucks got another bucket. Okay, all of a sudden, it's a six-point run and they're up by six. And all of a sudden, it's, okay, it's an eight-point run and then we get a timeout. It's like, look, as soon as they got to, like, six-point lead, there should have been a timeout. There should have been a regroup. He should have, Steven should have pulled everyone aside and said, Guys, what the fuck are we doing? Do you want to fucking win this game? Do you want to win this game? Do you want to go down 3-1 and have to go to Milwaukee? No. No one wants to go to Milwaukee, let alone with the 3-1 deficit. So, you know, it it just gets to a certain point where I imagine if we're this frustrated, if we're this fed up, I can't imagine what's going on in that locker room right now. You know, there was some guy tweeting out some rumor bullshit about there being a meeting and Irving being made uncomfortable by Horford and Smart and other players. So, you know what? If people are uncomfortable, good. If you're uncomfortable, good. That means that something needs to change to make you more comfortable, right? You know what? Or get used to being uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe just put a little fire on your fire on yourself, you know? It's just unless you make that change, like this is it, man. Like I just don't the way that they played last night, I just it's disheartening. They were tied up like the whole game and then you just you piss it away at home. You, you lose by, what, 11, 12 points at home? You had a chance. That was your chance to tie the series up. Right now, you have to win three straight. You got to win one on the road to earn the right, to earn the right to have one more home game. And then after that, it's like, who knows? But, like, now you're forced to take it a game at a time. That's what they should have done the whole time. Instead of saying, no, I'm not worried. No, I'm not concerned. My faith is unwavering in this team. Well, I'll tell you, you one thing, bro. Them. I am worried and I am, I am fucking worried. concerned. Yeah. I mean, now at this point, I have all these questions about the offseason. I didn't have the questions at the beginning of this series. I said, okay, great. We just swept Indy. We took game one. And ever since game one, it's like they just collectively gave this massive sigh of relief. And like, wow, that was happening. Like the Bucks mugged them. You know, you got screwed by the officials in game three. I'm not going to lie. But even then, you still had a chance to win that series. You still had a chance to come down and win that game there. And then, you know, that's a completely different story. If you go into 
you know, game four up to one after overcoming that deficit in game three. How much momentum would you have had going into game four? You know, it's just if you start playing basketball the right way and the way that you got to where you are now, which is being a hard defensive team, you know, it, it changes the way everything goes. It changes the game flow. It changes how Mike Budenholzer has to account for you on defense. You know, if Kyrie starts deferring to other people on offense, then it's like, okay, well, we don't need a double team Kyrie. Or, when you know, Kyrie defers, you know, that's a victory for the books, D. That's the problem. But guys, we're going to take a short break here. When we're back, we're going to continue this and we're going to look towards the summer. Cast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I and we're back. <laughs> so, guys, <laughs> so, guys, we um, we put out a mailbag tweet. The first time we've done this, really. Got a couple of responses, so we just want to cover those. Both of them are good and Haywood related. So, I'm just going to read them both out. Then me and Tim going to give you the breakdown, baby. So, first one is from Darth Blount 47 And he's asking, would it be uncouth, I like that word, to trade Haywood? He's about to make 32.7 mil, which is a boatload of cash for a guy averaging 11.5, 4.5, and 3.5. Or is he going to improve, improve sorry, and go back to the Utah Hayward? Second one is from Basketball Rehab. And simply, do, we, do the Celtics regret giving Hayward the max? Tim, do you want to take the reins on this, bro? I mean... I think the obviously in hindsight, yeah, I think you probably regret giving a guy max money who broke his leg the first six minutes of his first season here. So yeah, I, I think that's obviously easy to say. Yeah, oh, yeah, they probably regret that. I mean, it's not it's not Chandler Parsons level bad yet, but if we don't see some improvement out of him, yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier in the pod that you know he he's been not great in the playoffs to say the least, um, and you need him to be aggressive. Now, I don't think. Physically, there's a problem with him. It's not like he's re-injured that leg or he's had some kind of more problems with that issue there with his ankle at all. Um, it's all been mental. Now, if he can overcome that mental issue, get over that mental block and be the player that he was before, then it, it completely opens up a, a whole different world offensively, what you can do with him if you have him in the starting lineup, that kind of thing. I mean, as well, more out of him, you know, like with the mental block, that one basket he actually scored yesterday was a finger roll that could have easily just been a one-handed dunk. He was high enough. I thought he was going to dunk it until the very last second when he just rolled it off. That's a mental problem. Haywood of two years ago wouldn't have give a fuck, dude. He's stuffing that to make sure it goes down. Yeah, and I think he's got to get back to that. I think maybe you know Steven said some aside and says, "Hey, 
we need to be more aggressive. And if you can't be more aggressive, we're going to make room for someone who can be. And I don't mean to be a trade, you know, talking about moving Hayward in the offseason. The one thing I, two things, as I said before, is I don't know who's going to take on that contract. Um, maybe three things. I don't know who's going to take the contract. I think it's a bad look in terms of the Celtics, in terms of the front office decisions to go ahead and just trade a guy that you just signed after you made him uproot his life. I know it's a business. I know it isn't personal, but come on now. Um, and then three is Brad Stevens brought him on. Brad Stevens wanted him here. This is one of the best players that, you know, Boston has signed in free agency. It's one of the best players that Stevens has ever had the ability to coach back in college and now. Um, and there's that relationship there. So I don't think that's going to get nuked over the fact that, oh, he, he had injury concerns and he's been coming back this year. I think you have to be patient, you know, as much as we want to say, oh, he's had a whole year. You know, he spent the whole year getting healthy. Now it's a matter of him getting back there mentally where he needs to be. Look at Paul George. Granted, the Thunder just pissed themselves in the playoffs, but, you know, that was had... exactly. But, you know, Paul George had a really, really great season this year. And he was at one point considered in like the MVP running. I don't know if anyone's mind has changed. That's the problem with the postseason. It kind of warps your perception of players after a little while. But I, I personally think that Hayward just needs to be given that time. Um, right now, you need him to be more aggressive as a bench guy. I'm not asking him to be starter Utah Hayward. I need him to be mm, starter Utah Hayward at like 70%. Just just give me more, man. Um, I don't think there's going to be another guy that you can get in a sign-and-trade situation. I don't think Golden State's going to want to take him back in terms for KD, I don't think you're going to be able to flip him to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. I don't think that situation happens. But, you know, be my guest. You want to throw some trade ideas out there? By all means, I'm not going to say no to it. But I personally think that it's in the Celtics' best interest to see that contract through, to see what happens with him, and to see, you know, what, what Brad's going to be able to do with him fully healthy in this rotation, regardless of whether Kyrie Irving is here or not. And it wouldn't be a fair podcast if I didn't ask this question. So it's not just Kyrie getting grief, dude. Brad, Brad Stevens has got a lot of flack over social media since yesterday. Do you think that he's failing to make the necessary adjustments or do you think it's more of the team failing to execute those instructions? I think it's the team's failure to execute instructions and then on top of that, when the team's failing to make those, you know, reach those instructions, it's now on the coach to make those adjustments. Say, okay, well, we're not doing this. Okay, well, I need to change it up so we're actually doing something that's productive, that's conductive or conducive to winning, rather. Um, so you have to you have to look at it from a standpoint of, okay, this isn't working offensively. We need to change up things. Maybe we need to do this with our bench unit. Maybe we need to do this on the defensive side in order to stop this from happening to us on offense. You know, so you have to make those changes or it's, just simply a matter of calling a timeout at the right time. If there's one thing I will say, Brad Stevens is super late to call timeouts and he needs to get on that bench unit hard. He needs to get Hayward, he needs to get T-Row, he needs to pull him aside and tell him to get it the fuck together. No, I'm happy now, right now, personally. If we don't see T-Row in the next game, give Wanamaker them minutes, let's see what he can do. Bro, I, feel I said this on the last. <laughs> say that again. I feel bad for Wanamaker. Yeah, he's probably the better player out of him and Rogier at this moment in time. At least, yeah. Not in terms of ceiling, but just overall. Yeah. He's more experienced. Like, he's going to put buckets up, dude. He's done it in yeah. Europe. 
And then I said this on the last podcast. I want to get your thoughts. I want to see some time load minutes against their second bench. We're saying that their team's big, long, athletic. Well, we've got Robert Williams waiting to go, bro. He's raw as fuck and he's probably going to foul late in five or six minutes. But he's going to leave bruises, dude. He's probably going to catch a body, block a shot. You know, he's got another guy rolling to the rim on a fast break. Limited minutes, yeah. but it's good to see. Just experiment. Everything else has fucking failed. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe you see him in a little bit of bench minutes. I mean, to just do something. But I, I'm just disappointed by the fact that we haven't really seen changes. And you know, it it's hard because you need rebounding, but you also don't want to get guys into foul trouble, and you don't want to give Yanis more attempts at the line. So. You need to do something with your starters and with your bench unit that balances out. You don't have enough offense on your bench right now, and you don't have enough defensive like on the interior side of things. So you need to either add in semi or you need to add in Baines. Granted, it makes you a little bit slower, but look, I think the best thing they can do is slow it down on defense, speed it up on offense, but make smart shots. Like, look, use up all the possession of the clock you can. And, you know, try and get on them and, you know, in transition as much as you can, but use up as much shot clock. The less shot clock they have to work with, the better it works out for you because it means that you're getting your defensive set. You're not rushing back on defense. You're taking the smartest bucket you can. We don't need someone chucking up a three with 19 seconds left of the shot clock. Which Kyrie did third quarter, caught it from about two foot outside of the free line. And just jacked it, dude, with exactly 19 seconds left. Just, what was just it? Just get a Bri- screen, man. Just get a screen. Get anything. It's brutal. What happened to the dribble handoffs, bro? Our system last year was predicated on them DHOs. You know, we'd put the DHO, then we'd double stack a screen. We'd let people slip. We're, we're not doing that. We're not doing any drag screens. It's very, very ISO. Everyone ISO. What the? F- you can't win like that, bro. Everyone's cold. ISO's not going to work. Yeah, and I mean, at a certain point, you just have to draw a line in the sand. I think, I think you need Smart to be your distributor. I think you need to see less Terry. I think you need to see more Wanamaker. Um, you need to see some semi minutes. You need to see some Time Lord minutes, possibly. But I think it's going to be semi and uh, Baines for the bigs, and then you're going to see more Smart now. I think hopefully now it's less about you know shooting for him, and it's more about passing, creating open looks for other guys. And I think if you get Tatum onto that bench unit and you put in Baines, I think that's going to do world's difference. Some of their best defensive rotations have come with Baines at the five spot and Horford at the four. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, it's there's no silver bullet solution to what's going on with the Celtics, but that's at least a fucking start. It's better than what they're doing right now. I just don't see many other options. I mean, Baines had his minutes cut. And apparently it was like a tactical thing. It was, you know, to give Shemi more minutes and it was to kind of minimize Baines on Giannis because Giannis kind of took him to the cleaners. But it's a buddy, dude. It's a big buddy that can defend. We just yeah. need it, man. We need somebody to... to spacing's, spacing's not working. We're, we're not passing the ball. So like you say, set your deal. up. Take more time on the shot clock because that's what the team did last year when we were lacking that star. Was it's the bread and butter? You need yeah, a defense. Pass, yeah. pass, pass. Till you find the scene, bro, and then go. It just makes no sense to me, bro, and it's it's deflating. 
especially moving into an off-season where there's so many question marks over this team and so many avenues that these players like Kyrie are going to explore. Yeah, and Horford too. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm hoping Horford I think restructures. Comes back. Yeah, I think that'll happen, but it's all what's going to happen with Kyrie too because if you lose Kyrie, you have to go after a guy like maybe Kemba Walker. You know, he's a guy that I think is more comparable comparable to Kyrie than people admit, but maybe he stays in Charlotte. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Maybe he goes to San Antonio. You know, it. there's too many things, too many moving parts this summer to really predict what's going to happen. You can have ideas, you can have hopes and aspirations, but on us, honestly, honestly, God, with the Celtics, it comes down to what's going to happen with Kyrie, and then that's going to determine if you go after Kevin Durant, if you go after Anthony Davis, or if you start running it back with a young core, or if you target somebody else that like we're not even thinking of, you know. So it imagine Pat Beverly so, and Marcus Smart. I would love that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's a Boston fucking backcourt, dude. I'd love it, and then and, put your money towards someone else in like terms of like your bigs. But, yeah, and then we've got draft picks as well. So you know, we, it's not like we can't strike lucky in the draft. But look, yeah, this maybe, is for the maybe another pod, at bro. Next pod, depending on how it goes. Yeah, this is for another pod. So, guys, it's been great with you guys listening. If you're new to the podcast, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please leave a five-star rating and a review. And if you're a regular listener, please do that too. It helps us out a bunch. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Tweet us with any questions or any comments, and we'll we'll be back in a few days. Peace. Sorry, sorry we're so sad. Bye, guys. We're very sad. Very, very sad. It's disgusting. <laughs>